You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello, you're tuned in to Very Loose Women. I'm Beth and I'm here with Leo, Esther and our guest, Jodie Irvin, who I'm very excited to welcome to the show. So today we're going to be talking about what it means to speak out and be heard and whether you have to be a little bit gobby to do so. But before we get into that, let's do our celebrations and frustrations, shall we? Uh, my celebration is um, I went to a charity shop and I got this top and these trousers. So now I live in jogging suit trousers. Um, and I don't know. I didn't thought, think I'd be that sort of person. I don't know what connotations I had for jogging suit trousers, but I definitely didn't think stylish. And now I do. And it's got two pockets, which is very handy. And also it's a T-shirt from ASOS. And the whole thing cost me £7 because it was £3.50 each. Congratulations. Thank you to the British Wonderful Heart, Heart Foundation. I was very proud. And then I'm going to do a frustration too, just because as I was leaving the house today, I stupidly went on Twitter and then saw all of the crying MEPs leaving after the signature of the withdrawal agreement and as I am obviously half French I say obviously you might not know that Um, (laughs) I don't know it's it's really sad that's sad it was really sad to watch yep and then Farage yeah Oh, yeah. Mm, uh, anyone have a celebration to count balance that are a frustration? JJ? I've got a frustration. Okay. I don't have a celebration that I can think of. Uh, no, good. Bring us down. Yeah, like, I just the, the tone's low, so I feel like I can maybe add to that. <laughs> um, Great. I've, I just had, I've just had one of those weeks where like, I just feel like every single person that I'm trying to communicate with is really bad at admin. Like, it, Do you ever get those where you like... Yes, absolutely. Like everyone I'm sending an email to will like not reply to me for like seven days. Yeah. And then they'll reply and they'll only answer like one out of three questions (laughs) and then be like, also, can you reply? It's like at 4am, like, can you reply to this by 9am? Like, where have you been for the last week when I've been waiting for you? I've just had one of those weeks where I just Mm. feel like everyone is doing that to me and I'm tired. The admin struggle is real. Yeah. I've got a schedule that I'm trying to keep the freelance life. I'm like, I can't always reply to you by 9am. And you had a week. Like, where have you been? Don't you find that, I mean, I say this as someone who's tempted quite quite a lot, mm. and a lot of the temp work is fully administrative, which is something I'm absolutely shocking at. <laughs> and I just found that I just wrote constant emails saying, sorry, um, again for the delay. <laughs> and then would just basically still not have produced anything of, of value. Yeah. And then it would be like, um, you know, it'll be with you very shortly yeah. and give no sense of the deadline on that. But that's still acknowledgement. Like, I still love the acknowledgement of that, which okay. I feel like is it like respecting the fact that I've even emailed in the first place. Like, I just swear some people and they're so specific. They're like, you have to follow this template and put all this information in. Mm-hmm. And then they'll reply like, thanks, kiss, send for my iPhone. Like, what? <laughs> I just, I think I feel like I am the person. Yeah. Oh, well then. <laughs> no, no, I, always, I, rep- I think I reply on time. But my format is all over the place. I like to keep it cash with an email. Do you oh, sign yeah. off with cheers? Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I like Huge. a cheers. I like a cheers. I quite like very best at the moment. <laughs> Ooh, interesting. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but... I send stuff. best wishes so often that if I ever just send best, I feel like it's passive aggressive. <laughs> no, that's the, no, I overthink all of that all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Or like KR, I received that and I thought someone obviously hates me. What's <laughs> KR? Kind regards. But oh, God. <laughs> you yeah, can't be abbreviating K- that. Can you imagine being KO'd? Oh, that is, that's low. <laughs> I was like, what have I done? <laughs> have you got a celebration or frustration, Esther? I do. Um, I would say that um, my celebration has been living with um, 
my best pal from uni for a week just by chance so we, oh. lived, we lived together for like three years at uni sure and then um she lives with a friend in Tooting and that said friend went away and was like Esther do you want to just live in my room for a week and then you can just live with Hayley for a week and we could you could just be pals for a week I know that you don't have to live together to be pals. It's <laughs> <laughs> so cute, though. You like live in the little like roommate experience again. Like, yeah, you know, you know. And I feel like you know, it's just the low key chats with friends that are so great. It's the like, you know, you're in your PJs in transit and you just have a chat. Like one of you's brushing your teeth and one of you's like getting into PJs, and it's those chats that are just gold. Yeah, you know, it's not like when you kind of life as you get older and you have to like you do have to book a table. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to do the like classic life catch-ups but I just feel like that's been so so nice and I've remembered just how great a low-key hang is yeah you know yeah that's she cooks really good food and I'm a terrible cook so hello <laughs> <laughs> ideal bonus there yeah absolutely I have a similar celebration actually so my one of my really good friends that I lived with at uni has recently moved into my flat as well dreamy Ooh. yeah so that can be my celebration this week are you getting on or we are getting on, yeah. <laughs> I mean, never assume. <laughs> it's true. It was, it's a celebration. Okay. So, yeah, that's true. Yeah. It was only a week ago, so there's still time. <laughs> yeah. There's still time for it to rapidly Yeah, through. I'll keep you updated. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Don't want to celebrate for too long, so. Cool. So let's get on to our topic today, which is loud and proud. So we're really lucky to have Jodie Irvin here with us today. So Jodie is a writer and performer based in London. Her debut solo show, Gobby, is a comedic odyssey set across five parties. It was part of Pleasant Theatre's Best of Edinburgh season in autumn 2019 after picking up some serious buzz at the Fringe and is returning to Vault Festival between February the 4th and the 9th. So welcome, Jodie. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. So one big mouth and five parties, night after night, lots of parties... Why does uh, the, pro- the protagonist in Gobby, who's called Brie, um, why does she want to revisit those five parties in particular? So uh, so the five parties take place over t- a two-year period of her life. Um, and the kind of premise of the show is that she is newly out of a relationship that was kind of negative and toxic. It's a bit like emotionally abusive and manipulative. Um, and it's just kind of her recounting five kind of pivotal points for her during that kind of like two-year recovery process, really. Um, and a lot of her recovery is kind of centred around how the different people in her life influence her in different ways. So her friends and, you know, the ex, obviously, and things like that. So parties is kind of a good, like, central point for her to be drawing from because obviously you get different friends and different friendship groups and stuff like that in each party. Cool. And the title... Gobby. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Where did that come from? I just, I'm really interested in um, terms that are used in like a negative way, but they don't always have to be negative. Like, um, yeah, so it's it's cool because her kind of struggle in the show is that she has always viewed herself and her kind of like, a lot of her identity is built around the fact that she is a big talker and she was called Gobby a lot as a younger, you know, as a child and as a teenager. Um, and the whole kind of idea of ending up in an emotionally abusive relationship for her is this kind of battle of like, if I'm so gobby, why could I not speak up then? So it's kind of about that, like almost like contradiction that she is struggling with because mm-hmm. she doesn't understand how like, she's kind of in denial about the fact that it could have ever happened because you know, oh, well, if I'm so gobby, then why, you know, I wouldn't be spoken over like I was and things like that. So yeah, just thought it was an interesting term to mm. kind of use. 
Very interesting. And you um, did this show at the Edinburgh Fringe last year, didn't yes. you? Yes. So how was that? How did it go at the Fringe? It was good, yeah. It was a really fun time. It was my, I think, fifth Edinburgh in a row, um, but only my second as a performer, um, and my first doing a piece that I'd written, So, um, and my first solo piece. So it was, it's, it's a very different experience doing a show by yourself every night. And I was, you know, most of my own production team as well, so there was no, like, oh, yeah, let me just, like take a moment to get into the role before I go on stage. It, it was like, cool, I've got five minutes to set up every single piece of prop in this thing and like mm. we're running around and like the audience of the previous show is still here. and um, So it's quite chaotic. Um, but yeah, it was really good overall. Got some good stuff out of it and really honed the show. I think when you do the show every single day, mm-hmm. you know, without stopping, you have to kind of notice things that could be better because yeah. you can't not, because you've been doing it every day. So. Is that a bit of That's a good. blessing and a curse? Definitely, yeah, right. definitely. Especially when, you, when you've when you written it as well, because you're, like, I am so aware of the script and so aware of what is on the page versus, like, in the weird adrenaline of, like, me being eight shows deep, suddenly thinking, oh, I can add this cool, funny thing in. I can, I'm a writer, so I can do whatever I want. And then, like, it coming out of my mouth and no one laughing at me being like, this is why you pre-write what you're going to... <laughs> oh, why am I doing this? And then it just very quickly spirals into like a nightmare. Um, You've got to give it a go, though. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. how you learn. Kind of I guess. Make mistakes to learn. Then is that a phrase? <laughs> I don't know. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah it was what kind of surprised you when you put it out there to audiences? There are so many bits. I don't know <laughs> whether this is the best thing to say. There are bits that I think are funny, and bits that I don't think are funny, and it's never the way round that I think it will be. Oh, right. Like. I don't know, like, I've cut so many jokes from the show that I'd be like, those are so funny, and you guys just, like, you just don't get it. Like, I thought it was hilarious. And, like, you just have to base it on what the audiences are into. And there are certain bits that, like, I I put in in early versions of the show. Like, it toured as a work in progress for a bit before we went to Edinburgh. And there were bits that I'd put in and be like, well, we'll change that, obviously, when we get to Edinburgh, because that bit's not good. And then that would be the bit that after the show, people are like, oh, my God, I love that bit about... Like, how do you... I can't read you people, like, Mm. so... Yeah, that's kind of hard. Um, yeah, it must be hard to. I mean, if it massively depends on your audience, then you can't. You're never going to have something that pleases everyone, yeah, really, are you? Yeah, it's super varied as well. Like, I've had shows where you just you think that you've lost everyone, and then suddenly they mm. like in the, and the last act are more into it than any other audience. Like, I've learned that I can't read an audience as well as I think I can, so I just mm. have to like try and do it as close to you know, what has been rehearsed and what, like, me and my director have decided are the best way of doing it, even if in the moment I'm like, but they're, they're hating it, or like, wow, they like it when I do this, like, maybe I should egg that up more, like, trying to keep it mm. consistent and not get, like, carried away was what I'm feeling. Are there any bits that you've written and really wanted to keep in but just weren't working, or vice versa, where you've just been like, I either can't let this go, or I wasn't showing this bit, but it's going to have to stay now, I'm just going to have to deal with that. There was, oh, there's been a couple of jokes, now my mind is going blank. There was one joke that that we had in for a long time that was a, a basically like a breaking... I, I break the fourth wall kind of consistently throughout mm. the show because it's like a direct-address show. But there was a bit that broke the fourth wall as in, like, me as a performer having written it and doing it live that was always weird because it was, like, the whole thing is done in character, so it always felt a bit odd if I then suddenly was like, and I'm here too, the performer, me. <laughs> so we, we cut out and I, yeah, but that bit, I always, I, every time I do that bit of the show, I, always feel like I miss that bit, but yeah, it never got the, um, yeah, it was always just a, a weird tone shift where people are like, hang on a minute, like, 
you can't break the fourth wall within the fourth wall. Like, I'm confused. So we just cut mm. that. There's a few little bits, just like little jokey things that were too niche as well. Like, I, it's got a lot of pop culture references in because I love pop culture references in comedy. And there was a couple of them that were too niche that had to go because everyone was like, only you've seen that show, Jodie. So, okay. <laughs> They'll see it in time. Yeah. <laughs> They'll get my references. Time, they'll, they'll go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jodie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just want to introduce these people yeah. to these references and try to educate yeah. them. Yeah. Give out a glossary at the end. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is available on Netflix. So, <laughs> so yeah. in terms of the, it's described as, you know, a comedic odyssey, mm-hmm. So, but is, is not necessarily a comedy. So what, what role does comedy play in gobby yeah comedy is kind of used to to be able to talk like as a way to talk around more difficult subjects like we cover some heavier themes in the show like like i mentioned before like there's this whole kind of emotional abuse thing um and there the idea of kind of lack of friendship or friendships that are toxic and things like that and um struggling with loneliness and anxiety all of that is kind of like wrapped up in this kind of oh, isn't it awkward going to public situations, that kind of thing? Um, so, yeah, kind of use comedy to be able to talk about those things without it becoming, like, too heavy or too dire. Like, I, I want it to be... It's only an hour long, so you don't want to sit through an hour show and then at the end be like, that was a lot, wow, mm. my God. You know, let me just go <laughs> home and think about that. Like, I want it, I always want it to keep, keep it up, so I try and make it... Like, if there's a... I was taught years ago at, at a writing thing that I did that you want to be thinking treating things like a roller coaster like mm. so if you can feel like something building up um and the anticipation of like the drop coming you need to make sure that after the drop has come you've got something to lift people back up again um so i try and think about that quite a lot like i try not to let it get too heavy for too long mm. and then if there's like there's one point in the show that there's like a really heavy monologue like the long i think the longest monologue and i mean it's obviously all a monologue because it's just me but <laughs> in terms of like one character speaking uninterrupted because it's multi-rolled um that has a it goes quite dark and then the punchline comes like and it I don't know I think it comes like quite left field and I think you need that like oh okay we can laugh now because the 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 hard bits over like it needs that kind of ebb and flow. It's mm. a good bit of writing advice there as well. I thought it Thanks was really much, really interesting. What oh, what God. was the um. It's. It sounds like a tough thing to do to write and put on your own show to get feedback from from the audience, and to do it like night after night. What What's the sort of, what's the impetus? Why like Why did you figure that this is something that you sort of had to do? I just always like, I found the story interesting from early on, and I didn't really know. I I had the idea a few years ago, and I didn't really know what shape I wanted it to take or whether or not. Like for a while I thought maybe it'd be like a stand-up kind of thing and then I thought, no, I think it'd be better as a play and then I wasn't sure whether it should be a one-person play or multiple people in it and I just kind of, by accident, hashing out different ideas, kind of came up with the party premise and then as soon as I hit the party premise I was like, oh, this now makes sense because before it was like just a list of different things I thought were interesting or like essays and things and then once I got the party shape it was like, okay, now it's a format that I can actually deliver turn into something and then i just i don't know i just find i found that like the topics that gobby covers aren't covered that often so i just kind of thought that i wanted to make something that covered a topic that i knew that i wanted to see represented on stage more so yeah that's kind of why really and you've mentioned a few times that it is just a one woman show you're doing other characters just you Mm -hmm. on stage for an hour well fair play to you (laughs) that's a lot how did you end up there and deciding that that was how you wanted to go about it and that was the best way to tell your story 
it was just kind of I think I always had in the back of my mind that it would be one person thing because of the stand up origins of it and then as it went on as I was writing it it was intended to be a monologue where like other characters would kind of chip in here and there so it would be kind of multi-role but in quite a low-key way like someone makes a side comment here or there or things like that like the like other characters in it wouldn't really be char- whole characters they would just kind of chip in here and there and then as it went on it had to I don't know it just naturally had to become that those people had more significant parts um and because I was workshopping it as I was writing it I think I just ended up it just kind of fell into place as a one-person thing because it was being performed as one person thing at the same time that I was fleshing out these other characters and then it just ended up being me trying to do lots of accents <laughs> to make it distinguishable enough. Yeah. So where did um, Brie come from? Brie, uh, as a character, mm. I would say is... Uh, her personality is very based on me, I would say. <laughs> it sounds like a really obnoxious thing to say. No, not Narcissistic is probably a better word. I, I mean, you know yourself best. Well, they say write what you know as well and I'm like, well, I'm here, so I guess well, that's yeah. something. Um yeah, I find, like, w- watching content as well, like, not even just theatre, just, like, film and TV and everything, I find those kind of, like, awkward characters funny and relatable. So I kind of wanted her to be something like that, like, the kind of person that, like, talks too much because she's overcompensating for something, mm. like, find that interesting. Um, and then she's called Brie because of a, a joke that I thought of <laughs> first about her being called Brie. Um, and her having to explain to someone that her name is Brie, like the cheese. Um, and then it becoming this whole rant because the show is set in the past. So the show opens with this whole joke about how she has to say Brie like the cheese because this is pre-Brie Larson having a breakout and like Alison Brie being... <laughs> and it's like extremely niche. And that was where it started. And I thought, it'd be funny if I knew someone called Brie. And then I was like, tell you what, just going to name this character Brie and then I get to use that joke in the show. <laughs> Which I feel like it's maybe not the way uh, to name a character, but uh, if it works, yeah, Brie like the cheese, and and like every review they always say, Brie brackets like the cheese. <laughs> like people really hold on to it, which is quite funny. Yeah. Really yeah. sticks. Yeah. I was really half expecting to, you to say that you'd cut the Brie joke and then just oh, the yeah. name stuck. You Never. know, like Hannah Gadsby names it Nanette and then just cuts the whole yeah, Nanette yeah. thing, and you're just like, I always wanted about that. Well, yeah. she leaves you wondering. I think she sa- she says it at the end. I think at some she point, was like, like a lady that Nanette. she met in a service station. Yeah, and you some- have to name your shows. So, like when you're doing the Fringe Circuit, you have to name your show like a year in advance. So, she, I think it was her, or some, like multiple comedians have made jokes about the fact that they name their show year in advance it gets completely rewritten but then they're stuck with the name because it's been in the brochure for a year so they just have to go with it that must be so stressful yeah it's like naming your child before it's born and then yeah. it arriving and being like you just don't look like a larry yeah <laughs> does any baby look like a larry that's a good question. great question i don't know <laughs> tbc larry david did apparently really well he's called larry still <laughs> so he must have it's stuck. Yeah, someone must have thought this is appropriate. Absolutely. Otherwise, the name changes. Yeah. In 2020, though, like he was, he was a baby a while ago. Like I feel like. <laughs> All right. Are people pushing out a baby in 2020 and calling it Larry? I don't know if that's still. Maybe Larry's on the rise again. We don't know. It always boomerangs back. <laughs> no one's been called Gary for ages. Isn't that like a thing? Yeah, that is a thing. Like yeah. not after Gary Glitter. No yeah. one's going to be calling oh, anyone God. that. Oh, sorry to anyone called Gary. I'm like it's a perfectly fine. Name. Yeah, from, from, it's just from now on that people aren't being called Gary. Yeah, it? maybe they are. <laughs> I mean, I think Esther as a name is like. I, I mean, when I was growing up, no one else was called Esther, and all I wanted to be was a Claire. <laughs> I just wanted to be Claire because I knew great Claires. Is Claire um, like your middle name or anything? We just loved the no, name Claire. Just was like, hit me up with Claire. I'm up for it. It's great. I know lovely Claires. Why am I not Claire? And then <laughs> my mum was like, 
Well, and then I was, they just knew a, knew a nice Esther, you know? They yeah. just thought she was she was great. And then, but everyone thought it was Easter. So oh. you have that constant, you know, that constant battle that I'm sure Larry just didn't have. Yeah, true. <laughs> I like that you're also like, I've got a backup name. I've done all the work for you. Just call me Claire. Like, I've, oh, come on. Yeah, I put the legwork in. <laughs> no one else took up in it. <laughs> Shall we bring it back? So the show today is about Loud and Proud in celebration of Gobby. Um, so what does it mean? Like, What do you think of when you think of being loud or alternatively being quiet? What does that mean to you? I think a lot of people um, like will be loud and then say, oh, I'm sorry, was I too loud? as though it's an issue. Like, obviously, we're called Very Loose Women. Not that, not that that's relevant, but, like, we, you know, try to speak up a little bit and, um, I don't know, take a start, stand on things. And I think it's an important thing and it's something that I respect in people. Um, but I also don't like being spoken over by people who are rude. So mm-hmm. I'd like there's a, there's a line of delineation somewhere there. Yeah, definitely. That's probably, that's, I guess, is making, that's be, being heard... Yeah. But then I feel like part of that is there's whether or not you're willing to listen as well. Yeah. As 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 just, you know, be forthcoming about what you think and you know, and whether or not you have an outlet for that versus if you're getting to know someone and part of that exchange is learning about them and that what they think and mm. how and and there being a possibility that your mind could change based on that interaction rather than just saying, you know, well this is this is what I believe and you're going to you're going to hear it whether you like it or not. That's um, important too. I think there's space for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the big the big themes in Gobby is like being the loud. There's like a bit, there's a line that's, um, there's a difference between being the loudest voice in the room and talking over everybody else. Like mm. there you, is, you yeah. can be a loud person and still be able to listen. And then you, there's like shutting up everyone else because you need to be heard. And that's obviously one is fine. And one of them is kind of makes you not nice to be around. Mm. Do you sometimes feel like you have to make like force yourself to be loud even if you don't feel like it just to kind of stand your ground um, I've never had that problem <laughs> <laughs> more. Yeah, no, I feel like I've spent my entire life being told like maybe just maybe just chill for a sec <laughs> yeah. see I feel like it's very mixed with me because some people like so did you see the, there was this hashtag on Twitter the other week and it was like things introverts say or something like that mm. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm an introvert but there was one thing on it where it was like I hate being told that I'm quiet because as soon as you're told that you're quiet what's the comeback well, it's like you're invisible like I feel like I have an invisibility cloak and it and I, it's very easy for me to use I can like very quickly vanish and I don't really mind but if someone says oh you're being quiet then it's like Give it back to me. Yeah. Why did you just take that from me? I was having a really nice, peaceful time. And yeah. then you like highlighted to everyone that I was here. It's not helpful. <laughs> I love that that's the way you think of it. That's so sweet. Uh, yeah, I'm a good, great wallflower, I feel. Very skilled. But that also means that, I mean, I can tell this from knowing you, that, you know, you, you're very perceptive. So there's like, you, you have to look and listen to like, see what's going on if, um, as well. It's a big skill to be able to do that yeah, while I you're think, talking. Yeah. I, I don't know anyone really that can do that. But as in, I think there's there's pros and cons to it. I mean, I think people, though, I think they think that I'm judging them when I'm staring oh, at interesting. them. I've noticed this. <laughs> just image of you in the corner, like, just staring at everyone. I've got my cloak on now. Yeah. <laughs> no one can see me, but I can see them. They don't know my game. <laughs> Have you ever tried to order a drink at a busy bar? Because my invisibility cloak just like appears out of nowhere, and it's oh like, oh my god, I could laugh. I could just because I don't like pushing through people, and so like it's just like 
will I get a drink? Who knows? I'm very patient, so yeah. it's not really an issue. I'll I feel, just yeah, like I, it out. especially because I have been a bartender before, mm. I don't like to be one of those pushy people who's like, got the money out, got the card out, leaning over the bar. So I'm like purposely really respectful, but sometimes I'm like, this is not doing me any favors. <laughs> I should be rude and then I would get served quicker. To tell yourself like, this will pay off. They'll see you being yeah. polite and they'll know that they have to serve you next. Exactly. And then that's they just what... ignore you for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happens. I feel like my only invisibility cloak is that I'm five foot tall so I'm like oh here I am at the bar and the bar is slightly higher than average so I am <laughs> jumping up just and down neck. yeah my neck up that's it just like, like wave frantically yeah. wave like there's a point the in front of me so now you cannot see me <laughs> I am the bar yeah <laughs> I just have the idea of you holding up a big sign just behind yeah. you like I've got a strategy like waving worry. my card in the air like I'm trying to send someone off of the pitch like, please <laughs> someone please serve me <laughs> Cool. Well, on that note, thank you very much, Jodie, for coming to chat to us. We've had a lovely chat and the show sounds great. So it's at the vaults, right? Yes, which is under Waterloo Station. Cool. Um, so that's it for this one. So thank you to our listeners. We've been very loose women. Thank you to Esther, Leo and Jodie for joining us. Um, thanks, John and Resonance 104.4 FM. Oh, for this is Patty. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Paddy. I'm just, that. I'm in the groove. <laughs> um, for engineering and for hosting us, you can listen to all our episodes on ACAST, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google. And you can follow us at Very Loose Women Radio. So until next time, thank you very much. <laughs>